You see, obedience is the bedrock for living a life of faith. Can I say that again? Obedience is the bedrock for living a life of faith. Scripture also tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. You see, the sacrifice one makes in, when living in disobedience is a broken relationship with one's heavenly father. And that is why David would always say when he sinned that he had sinned against God alone. Even though that sin affected someone else, even though that sin affected the nation, he would always sin for you, Lord. You are the one I sinned against because it broke my relationship with you. Disobedience breaks the relationship with God. So James grows up in a home where he understood obedience because of the example that he had seen from his parents and his brother Jesus. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible if you would. We're going to finish up this series that we have been doing. And I think this series is such a, uh, a timely series in the world that we're living in, I, I tell you, as I have been reflecting, reflecting uh, this week, uh, this week we have seen uh, in the Middle East, I, I know you've watched the news and we've seen, uh, I, I want to call it the, 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 the fall of the government of Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, right now we're pulling all of our people out of Afghanistan and uh, and, and, and there's going to be a change of leadership. There's going to be a change of government. And, and uh, it troubles me. And, you know, uh, I'm bothered by that, I guess, so to speak. But I know that God is in control. And, and then, of course, Friday or Saturday, whatever day it was, we had the earthquake at Haiti and devastated again that island, that, that group of people. And uh, hundreds of people have lost their lives. And they, they say it could go up into the thousands. And, and, of course, this pandemic in the United States, and, of course, not just here but around the world. And, and, uh, and, 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 and of course, we have so many things that have changed in our culture, in our society. Uh, uh, we, be, we have become a very diverse, very diverse, very diverse nation. Uh, we have all types of cultures, all types of things that are different today than they were 20 years ago or 30 years ago, in fact, 10 years ago. And so, you know, uh, as, we're, as we're going through life, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a great, huge uh, uh, transition or change in the world that we're living today, in the world that we're living in today. I'm just seeing a whole big change. And, and I'm 63, almost 64 years old. And uh, even though I've seen a lot of things change, technically, technology and all that stuff, I've never seen the things like they are today. I'll just be honest. I've never seen the changes that are taking place in government and attitudes and, and, and beliefs and, and all of this kind of stuff. I've never seen it change as much as I've seen it change today. And so I, I read this book of James and uh, the history behind it and James, the history behind James writing this book. And I really believe that this book has been, this, this book or this letter, I should say, this letter is very relevant for you and I today. We started this week, or we started this series on the book of James several weeks ago. And of course, I'll just kind of recap a little bit. The church was in its second decade of existence. The Jews were scattered among the nation, and so James writes this letter to the churches to give counsel, 
to give counsel and, and, to, and as a guide to help the Jewish Christians navigate cultures, navigate cultures with completely different norms and beliefs than what they knew and experienced in Jerusalem. They're scattered among the nations, and the way they used to live is completely different. Or the way they're living now is completely different from what they were accustomed to, from what they were used to. And so James begins to share about how do you and I as Christians, how do we navigate through the changes? How do we navigate through the cultures? How do we navigate through all the different norms and, and all the different beliefs that are out in the world? How do we navigate a Christian life in a world that is so different from what we are used to? So I believe the letter is so relevant for today. And of course, the first week we discovered how that suffering exists. Suffering exists and is, a, and is the natural course of life since the fall of man. But suffering doesn't change the fact that God is good. Suffering exists, but as God's children, he can use the trials of life. He can use the trials of life to develop us into complete and mature Christians. And so that's why James starts off the letter, count it all joy. My brethren, when you fall into various trials. And then James writes, as he's trying to write to these letter, this letter to the churches, he's writing, he says, listen, you're, you're suffering persecution. You're suffering a, a lot of trials and tests and, and everything, but I want you to know that God is going to use all of these things to develop you. You got to believe that. And then he begins to write, or we begin to talk about faith, how that uh, uh, James began to share faith, share about faith, and how that faith is demonstrated in your deeds, in your conduct, and in your speech. And then the third week, Zach shared about wisdom, how that you and I need the wisdom of God, that it's a wisdom that only comes from God, and that God tells us that if you lack wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask of God who gives freely. And I'm telling you today, we need wisdom. Me and Kim were talking about what we've been going through, what we've been facing as a, as a community, as a church, and how do we navigate? How do we navigate? How do we make good decisions? How do we make sound decisions? How do we, how do, we do the things that are safe? And how do we protect our people? And we're trying to navigate through all of these things and make wise decisions. And I've discovered something. I need God's wisdom and how to do all of this, because I don't know. Being honest, we don't know. So we pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. And then Brother Wayne shared about foolishness, and that foolishness is something we need to avoid. And it's how it's foolish to be materialistic. It's foolish to doubt. It's foolish to blame God with temptation. It's foolish to be a friend of the world. It's foolish to be involved in strife and division. And it's foolish to be self-centered. So as you're living your life in this new norm, in this new world, don't be foolish in how you live. And then last week, Derek did a great job 
talking about community. Community. And James writes us, and you know, that we are community and we need, we need one another. We need to uplift and encourage one another. We don't need to fight, fight among one another. I, I mentioned Wednesday night how that, that the enemy, you are not my enemy. You are not my enemy. You are not my enemy. The devil is my enemy. And how that the devil will try to use this situation that we're living to divide ourselves. I mean, at the school board, you know, uh, they're, 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 they're going to the school board and they're fighting over mask mandates. Should, should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? Should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? And, and one, one, one group is booing the other group because one says we don't want to wear a mask and the other says we want to wear a mask and one group boos another group. Listen, that is not Christ-like. That is not Christian. Everyone has the right to their convictions, to their personal convictions. And, and, and I'm telling you, I tell people, if you need feel like you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. That's between you. But listen, I'm not going to push my convictions upon you or my opinions or whatever upon you. God, God doesn't want that. You're quiet today. He doesn't want that. But I see how that the enemy is using this to divide churches, Christian, Christian people. I mean, you haven't got vaccinated? How dare you? And they're putting it on Facebook. Well, wait a minute. I'm not saying get vaccinated. I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. It's a personal thing that you have to do what is good for you and your family. You have to do what's good for you and your family. And, and I'm telling you, do what's good for you, what your convictions and what God says. But I'm not going to fall out with you. I'm not going to become divided. But you see, that's what the enemy's doing. He talks about that in James chapter 4 about divisions. And so Paul is, or not Paul, James writes this letter. He says, listen, I want to help you navigate in this world of different norms and different beliefs and the diversity and everything that's going on. I want to help you navigate through life and understand what it means to be a Christian and how to live that Christian life. And so today, we're going to look at one more point, and it's a topic called obedience, obedience. And, and, and just for a few minutes, I want you to listen. This subject of obedience is not a highly valued trait in our modern culture that emphasizes self-centeredness. I need to say that again. The subject of obedience is not a highly valued trait in our modern culture that emphasizes self-centeredness. It, 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 it's, it's not. Now, I know what one may think when we talk about obedience. Oh, no, here we go. Oh, no, here we go. But I want us to look at this subject of obedience from God's nature. And John makes it clear in 1 John, the 5th chapter and, or the 4th chapter, that God is love, that the very nature of God is love, that everything that God does is out of love. God doesn't do anything out of hate. He doesn't do anything uh, because he wants to get even or take revenge. God does everything out of love. 
Everything God does, every, everything he did, he did out of love. That means God does everything out of love for us. The crown of his creation. You are the crown of God's creation. I, I want you to know to that. You are the crown of God's creation. And everything God created, he created for you. Everything. So when God created man, he created man with a free will. Hear me. God created you with a free will. You have the freedom to choose. Now, this is important. God could have made you with no free will. But God created you with a free will because he wanted a love relationship. You see, any time that you control someone, it is not a love relationship. When you're really in love, when you really love someone, you always give them the freedom of choice. You don't tell them what they're going to do. You, you give them the opportunity to choose. What would you like to do? Where would you like to go? What would you like to eat? When I go shopping, when we go shopping for big items, I always ask my wife, what do you want? And she said, well, well, what do you want? And somewhere along the way, we come up with a compromise. But we always give the freedom of choice. We never try to control, and that's the way God is. God does not want to control you. He wants you to choose him because you love him, because of who he is and his goodness to you, and he wants that love relationship with you. That's why he gave you and created you with a free will and with the freedom to choose, because he didn't want you to be a robot. He wanted you to have free choice. And of course, in the garden, when he created man and he created the Garden of Eden, he created them an opportunity to make a choice. He made the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, I don't want you to eat of that. I don't want you to eat of that. I forbid you to eat of that. And the reason that God forbid them to eat of it is because he loved them. And he protected them. He wanted to protect them. Don't eat of that tree. Because when you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Don't we do that with our children? Don't stick it in the light socket. Don't put anything in the light socket, don't, in the receptacle. Don't put that, that safety pin or that, 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 what do they call that thing, that uh, paper clip. Don't put it in the light socket. Why do you forbid them to do it? Because you love them and you protect them. Don't go near the water. Why? Because you love them and you protect them. They haven't learned to swim. They haven't learned uh, the, the outs of electricity. And so you give restrictions because you love. It's not because you're trying to withhold something good. God was not trying to withhold something good from Adam and Eve. He was trying to protect them. But at the same time, he gave them freedom of choice because he loved them. I, I, I want you to do what I'm asking you to do because I love you. And I'm telling you, as I have gotten older, 
as I got older and, 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 and I became my own man and my own person. I obeyed and honored my mom and dad because I loved them, not because I was afraid of them. Because of the love that I had for them, the respect that I had for them, I honored them. They, they, they would tell me when I got to be the age of 18, they said, Randy, you're welcome to come and go. All we ask, all we ask is that when you go somewhere, you let us know where you're going. So, so just, just, just let us know where you're going. And to my knowledge, I always told my mom and dad where I was going, even though I was an adult, even though I, and I was still living in a home, I always told them where I was going because I respected them and I loved them. And even today, I call my mom and say, Mom, I'm on my way, I'm going somewhere. She's 84 and I'm 60, almost 64. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to tell your age. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that. You do it out of love. And so when God created man, he created man out of love. Can't, commands were never given, given to control, but to protect and bless. You look at the children of Israel. When God brought them out of slavery, brought them out of Egypt, and brought them to Mount Sinai, he gave them some commands. Every command that God gave to the children of Israel was not to withhold good from them. It was to protect them. He loved them. He was going to bless the, the, the nation, the world through them. And he loved them. He cared about them. He wanted to do good to them. And he says, I'm giving you these commands because I love you. Every word that God gives us today is given to us out of love. It is not to withhold. It is not to restrict. It is always to protect. That's who our God is. You see, in a love relationship, we do things because we love. And when Jesus came to earth, he came, you got to get this, he came in obedience he came in obedience to the will of his heavenly Father out of love for him and out of love for us. And when Jesus was on the earth during his 33 years of ministry or life in ministry, he always walked in love and obedience. We see this even in the home that he was brought up in. Joseph and Mary both walked in obedience to God. When Mary was approached by the angel and said, God, you're going to give birth to a child. She did not know a man. She, was not, she has not been consummated. The marriage had not been consummated. And she did not know a man. And yet the angel says, you're going to have a child and you're going to call him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary's response was, of course, afraid and the new territory of fear, you know, kind of, I don't know, but her response was, Lord, be it unto me. Be it unto me as you've said. She was willing, if she'd have said no, God wouldn't have done it. God would have found another virgin. But she was willing to walk in obedience. And then Joseph, who was getting ready, or the thought went through his mind of putting her away because now she was pregnant with, with the Son of God, Joseph starting to put her away quietly. And the angel coming to jo Joseph and saying, hey, what is in her is born of God. It's the spirit of God. 
It's the Son of God. Take her to be your wife. And Joseph walked in obedience. And then we find Jesus as he's growing up in in this home. We find that Jesus walks in obedience. At the age of nine, they are going to the temple. and, And what does Jesus do? He decides to stay at the temple. And he tells his mom and dad, I'm taking care of my, I'm about my father's business. And, of course, Mary and Joseph thought that he was with the caravan and that he was with the rest of the family. And when they noticed that he wasn't there, they went back and found him. And I'm going to tell you, they rebuked him. Did you hear me? They rebuked him. They got onto him. You scared us. We didn't know what happened to you. We didn't know where you're at. And, of course, his response, well, I was just about doing my father's business. I got a feeling that Mary and Joseph had not invented time out yet. I I got a feeling that they said, well, you're going to be in time out for the next month. They they, They probably came down hard on Jesus, trying to protect him. And did you know Jesus walked in obedience and honored them until he was at the age of 30? Yeah, he never left again until it was his time for ministry. We find that Jesus, Jesus being obedient to prophecy by being baptized by John, though he was sinless. Jesus even summed up his work on earth by saying this to his father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Even Scripture tells us that Jesus learned suffering through obedience. Jesus walked in total obedience to his Father, and he only did what his Father told him to do. Obedience. You see, obedience is the bedrock for living a life of faith. Can I say that again? Obedience is the bedrock for living a life of faith. Scripture also tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. You see, the sacrifice one makes when living in disobedience is a broken relationship with one's heavenly father. And that is why David would always say when he sinned that he had sinned against God alone. Even though that sin affected someone else, even though that sin affected the nation, he would always sin for you, Lord. You are the one I sinned against because it broke my relationship with you. Disobedience breaks the relationship with God. So James grows up in a home where he understood obedience because of the example that he had seen from his parents and his brother Jesus. So in giving wise counsel to his readers to help them navigate in the different cultures and belief system they were now living in, this is what he says. James 1 Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. No matter what the culture is, no matter what the beliefs of the world are, no matter what's going on in in society, no matter what everybody else is doing, don't just listen to the word, do 
what it says. When you're among unbelievers, do what the Word says. When you're living out in a world that doesn't believe like you do, do what the Word says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, the other day I got up. I slept, actually slept on the couch that night. Got up and went, slept on the couch or whatever. And I got up and I thought, you know, I, I'm going, I got to go somewhere. And, but where I'm going, nobody's going to see me. So, I, you know, I, I went in the bathroom and I looked in the mirror. And oh, my goodness. My hair was a disaster. And I took the brush and I thought, oh, I comb this out. And I combed it out and it stuck up in the back. It was puffed up. I mean, I couldn't get it to do anything. I just put me a ball hat on. I'll put me a ball cap on, and I'm going to look. But I looked in that mirror, and I thought, man, have you ever gone to Walmart sometimes and just looked at people? I think, really, did you just get out of bed with your pajamas on and come to Walmart? I don't understand that. I just, I'll be honest. I don't, now, you may do that, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing if you do that, but I just can't do that. I mean, I just can't get up and go and put a ball hat on, put my pajamas in, and, and go to Walmart. I just can't do that. I'm thinking someone out there at Walmart is going to see me. I, I just, what if I run into one of y'all? I mean, would you want me to be at Walmart in my pajamas on? I mean, you know, I don't know unless they have a pajama day, but anyway. But the man, look at what he says. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, get that? The man who looks intently, that means you're examining it. That means you're, you're dissecting it. That means you're getting it inside of you. The man who looks intently into the law that gives freedom did you hear that? That gives freedom. It's not meant to retard you. It's not meant to withhold something from you. It's not meant to hold you back. The law that you look in intently gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He will be blessed in what he does. And so James is writing, and he says, listen, I know that you're living in a different culture. I know it's not the norm. I know the beliefs are different. I know you're living in a different society where you can't go and offer sacrifices, and you can't do the, the things that you brought up and you used. I know that you're there, but I want you to know that even though you're living in that kind of culture and that kind of world, I want to challenge you, do what is right. Do what the Word says. Do what you know to do. Be obedient to God himself. Because if you're obedient to God, even when the world says you shouldn't be, or you don't have to be, or you don't need to be, when you're obedient to God out of love, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. And when people begin to ask you the question, why do you do what you do? 
I'm going to tell you, why, 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 Randy, do you give tithes? Why do you do that? Do you do it because you have to do it? I don't have to give tithes. I don't. Well, you're a minister. Yeah. And if I want to keep my license, I do have to pay tithes. But I don't pay tithes because I have to. I get to. It's a love relationship. It's a love relationship. You see, I look and I realize what Jesus did for me. I look at what God did for me. He redeemed my life from destruction. I'm telling you, God has been good to me. He loved me. He gave his only begotten son to die on a cross for my sin, your sin, our sin. I mean, he asked me to honor him with the tithe. He just asked me to do that. And I'm telling you, I want to do it because I love him. It's a love relationship. That's what it is. It's a love relationship. And when people ask me, how in the world, why why are you so blessed? Because I'm walking, I'm trying to walk in obedience to the Lord because I love him. And because I do it, God blesses me. God blesses you. I'm telling you, when you do things because you know it's the right thing to do and it's what God wants you to do, God will honor and bless you in the midst of everything going on in the world. I mean, look what he says in in James, the second chapter, verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. He said, just walk in obedience, walk in love, just do it. Even when they poke you, when they make fun of you, when when, when they, they ostracize you, when they mock you, do the right thing by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's the royal law. Now, I'm going to be honest, it's not always easy. It's not always easy to do the right thing. But he says, do it. In the world that you're living in, do the right thing. And when they ask you why you do it, you can share the good news of Jesus. Well, look what he says in James 4, 5, and 6. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? but he gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Walk humbly. Live humbly in the world. He goes on in the next verse, he says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you know that when you live with submission, you live in obedience, God empowers you to be victorious? He gives you grace. He gives you the power. He gives you the ability. He gives you the the momentum. He gives you everything that you need when you are willing to submit, and you submit by walking humbly or in obedience. There's things that God has asked me to do before that I didn't always know why. I didn't understand why, but I submitted. And every time I submitted and walked in obedience, God empowered me, gave me grace, helped me to overcome, and I was blessed. And then last, he tells us in James, the fifth chapter, 
And I think this is so important. He says, above all, verse 12, above all, my brothers, do not swear. I want you to get that. Do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Jesus said in Matthew, the fifth chapter, if you go to to Matthew, the fifth chapter, and, and verse 33, he said, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oath you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all. Either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Some of you didn't know that. But that's, that's not Randy. In other words, he says, when you live in this world of different norms and different values and different beliefs and different cultures, walk in obedience to God and walk with integrity. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's all you need to do. Walk a life of integrity. Walk a life of integrity in the world that you you live. I tell you what, as Christians today, you and I need to be men and women of integrity. Do I always get it right? I, I don't. I try. I try to always get it right, but sometimes I miss it. Thank God for his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness for his extension, but I really am trying to get it right. And so James writes us this letter. And Jesus was, or James was dealing with the practicality of living by writing about suffering, faith, wisdom, foolishness, community, and obedience. And as we apply these principles of living out our faith, as we navigate through the, 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 the cultures we live in and the different beliefs that we come up against, God will empower you to live a victorious life in a very difficult world. If you go back to the time of Babylon, there were four men, actually there were five. There were five men that lived in a different culture. They were brought into Babylon, and as they were brought into this Babylon community, they were taught the Babylonian language. They were taught the religions of the Babylonian world. They were taught and given new names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel was given another name, all to lose their identity. But there were five men that changed the heart of a king and that changed the course or became influencers. 
And the reason they were influencers is because they believed in God and they were obedient. Daniel, every day, three times, would go up into his room, open up the windows, and pray to his God. Even when the law said you cannot ask any petition of any God or anyone else except the king. And the very moment that you ask, that you pray, you will be thrown into the den of lions. Daniel, knowing the law had been written, chose to walk in obedience. He was thrown into the den of lions. But because of his integrity, because of his innocence, because he was yes and no, and he walked in obedience out of his love for God, when he was thrown into the den of lions, not one lion attacked him. The king comes down the next morning troubled because he loved Daniel. And he knew Daniel was right. And he said, no, Daniel, does the God whom you serve, was he able to save you? And Daniel responded, fear not, king. Don't worry, king, I'm alive. I've been proven my innocence. Daniel was picked up out of the den, and the men that accused him was thrown into the den of lions, and they were devoured. We live in a different world today. And I want to challenge you. Let your faith be demonstrated by your speech, by your conduct, by your deeds. When you're suffering and you're going through the trials and the tests of life, I want you to, to understand that God is going to take this and he's going to work it for the glory of his name and he's going to raise me up to be what he wants me to be. When you don't know how to navigate, pray. God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom as what I need to do as a Christian. What do I need to do as a pastor? What do I need to do as a dad? What do I need to do as a mom? What do I need to do as a child of God? Lord, give me wisdom to navigate in all of this upheaval in the world. Don't be foolish. Don't be like the wisest man in the world, King Solomon. The wisest man in the world was foolish. He knew the law. He knew that he wasn't supposed to take foreign wives or foreign women for wives, and yet he took 700 to be his wife, wives. God told him, don't, don't acquire wealth. Don't get wealth. Don't, don't acquire a lot of wealth. Don't get the horses from Egypt. And what does he do? He gets, acquires wealth and gets horses from Egypt and everywhere. Foolish. Be wise. Don't be foolish. Avoid it. Let's walk in community. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my family. And even though you may think differently than I do, and even though you may believe differently than I do, I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to let it divide me. 
I'm not going to let it cause division between me and you. I'm not going to let it cause conflict between me and you. I'm not going to let it do it. I'm going to love you even though you may not agree with me. You may not understand where I'm coming from or I may not understand where you're coming from. I'm going to love you. I'm not going to let it cause division. And walk in obedience. Because if you'll walk in obedience, do whatever God tells you to do, you will be blessed. You'll be a man or a woman of integrity that will be an influencer. How do we navigate through this life? I think James tells us. And I think this letter applies to you and I today as it did back then. So I'd like for you to stand and in closing, I want you to pray. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that during this season of our lives, God, help me to see you as always good, even when things are bad. God, during this season, Lord, give me, help me to demonstrate my faith by my words, by my deeds, by my conduct. God, give me wisdom to navigate in all the different cultures and all the different beliefs and all the different norms. God, give me wisdom to navigate, to live a life of obedience and not foolishness, to live in community with everyone. God, give me that today because I believe that God wants us to be influencers. and God wants to make a difference, wants us to make a difference, or God through us wants to make a difference in our community today. I believe that. Father God, we're going to sing this song. We're going to worship in closing. But I'm praying today, God, for everyone listening online, for everyone in this congregation, God, that we'll take to heart the letter that James wrote, that we'll apply it to our lives and the culture and the world in which we live today. God, I want the world to know you. And even in the conflict and even in the distress and even in the, the chaos and all the suffering, God, I want the world to know you're good. God, I want the world to know that you're a good, good God and that everything that you do for us is out of your goodness and out of your love, even in the midst of the chaos. I want them to know that you're trustworthy, that you're faithful. I want them to see your faithfulness in my deeds, in my actions, in my conduct, in my speech. God, I want the world to know that you bless those that have chosen to walk in love and relationship with you. God, I pray, help us to be the Christians that you want us to be in our community today, in our world. Give us vision, Lord, to see things the way you see them. And help us to forever focus, stay focused on our relationship with you. 
above all things. God, I pray your blessings for your people as we worship you today. In Christ's name we pray. Would you sing, lead us, Derek? This altar's open. If you'd like to come and pray, you're welcome to come and pray. Maybe today you don't know Jesus. I want you to know today Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. And no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you've done, God is not here to condemn you. He's not here to to condemn you, but he's here to set you free, to forgive you, and to give you a life of liberty and love as you walk in obedience with him. This altar's open. Pray at your house, wherever you're at. But just know Jesus Christ loves you today. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.